Well, hello, America. It's Friday. Uh, and we start on the podcast with kind of a rundown of some of the week's news that we hadn't gotten to. Somehow or another, we got to crazy water parks of Stu's childhood. Uh, <laughs> then Bill O'Reilly stopped in. We talked about Epstein's death, Netanyahu versus uh, Tlaib and Omar, Warren uh, right behind uh, Joe Biden. Interesting stuff. And as always, fascinating conversation with Rabbi Daniel Lappin. We also talk about Israel, but we get all the way to, to socialism in the Tower of Babel and AI. You don't want to miss it. All on today's podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. I guess I'm in a good mood because yesterday... I got, and this has never happened to me before. Yesterday, I was going home, and as I'm leaving the office, uh, they said, okay, don't forget Bill O'Reilly tomorrow. And I'm like, no, 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 tomorrow's Thursday. Mm. And they went, no, tomorrow's Friday. And I'm like, no, no, come on, seriously, it's, come on. it's, it's Wednesday. No, it's Thursday. I didn't believe them. I asked somebody else, and they said, no, it's Thursday. And I said, shut up. I went home last night. I get into bed with my wife, and we're setting the alarm clock, and I said, is it really Thursday? And she, she looked at me like crazy, like, yeah, don't you feel like it was uh, Thursday on Monday? And I'm like, <laughs> for some strange reason, no, this is the first time in my life that I've screwed that up. Usually it's Wednesday, and you, they're like, and you're like, oh, tomorrow's Friday. And they're like, no, it's only Wednesday. And you're like, I want to hang myself. This is the first time. It's possible your rather lengthy vacation you just came off of. May I suggest that everyone takes two weeks off (laughs) every other week. So in other words, you come back for a week, take it. Because next week, it's not going to be like this. Next week, I'm going to be like, oh, crap. Tuesday. I thought it was Friday. (laughs) That's true. I know. So take, and I want to make sure I understand the advice. Take two weeks off. Every come back to work. Week. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Come back to work for a week. One week. Then take two weeks off. Then come back for a week. It's like, I mean, yes, we'll be like France, but we'll have that moment of joy on a Friday morning going, I can't believe it. I'm getting away with something. It feels like <laughs> Thursday. <laughs> we are headed to the world of Wally anyway. Let's just go. Yeah, to let's it. go. Let's go to it. Let's go. All right. There's a couple of things. Uh, let's. Just, I just want to go down to the news because we have. Rabbi Lappin on today. He's got some. Re- you want to talk about good insight on Talib and Omar being banned from uh, uh, Israel? Good day for a visit for Rabbi Lappin. Yeah, good day. Pre-planned, good day. but yeah. uh, this is going to be. It's going to be really good. interesting. Yeah, no, to it's going to be perspective. Um, I've got some perspective on that one too. Yeah, mm. I've got a little story to share. You know, the uh, Israeli law has perspective on it. Does it? Yeah. Really? And the Israeli law says that they shouldn't be able to come in. Yeah. They say that they can waive it. And so what we're asking for is special privilege for Elon Omar and Rashid Tlaib. Rashida yeah, Tlaib. I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess Tlaib's getting it now because uh, she's going to go visit her grandmother, oh. uh, which is very, very nice oh, of Israel. That's really but sweet. still, like, they act as if it's like this crazy idea that Donald Trump had last week. It was a law passed in the country that if you support the BDS movement, you can't come, you're not going to be able to visit. 
Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how they think they can get away with that. Look, we want to make sure that nothing from Israel is ever brought into our country. Hey, I'm going to go visit Israel. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. And the media just can't be pleased with no matter. I mean, no matter what Donald Trump says. First, he says uh, Rashida Tlaib should go back to her country and they get all mad. And now they're saying, don't go back to that. Stay here. And now they're getting mad at that. Right. I mean, this guy just can't win. He can't win. (laughs) All right. So we we have that. Now, have you seen how uh, Patrick Byrne from Overstock is being treated. Did you see that his stock went down because he was on Fox going, yeah, I I got some news for you. I was uh, strangely kind of in a Hitchcock movie kind of way, found myself in the middle of, you know, both the Clinton uh, scandal and also the the Trump-Russia scandal. I was there with the FBI. So I know what's really going on. And it's going to be a big scandal when it comes out. And it, you know, but the good thing is, the attorney general's on it, and I've already given my testimony to the attorney general. And the New York Times and everybody else is like, this guy's crazy. Wait, what? How is he crazy? You do what, what's their evidence what's to say that he's crazy? Yeah, I mean, I honestly want to know. First of all, he's not saying anything on either side. No, neither side should be pissed at him. Right. He's, he's like, look, I'm telling you, the FBI is corrupt. It's dirty. Shouldn't we all really care about that? Yeah. Um, and so the New York Times is saying that he's crazy because he's inserting himself into this. Well, he story had some or? crazy romance with this Russian agent. Okay, she wasn't a Russian agent. Yeah, you see, Eric Metaxas. Eric Metaxas. Uh, well, he might have he might have DM'd me on this, so I don't. No, I think he I think he posted last night on on Twitter, and he was like, hmm. I know her. This is one of the greatest misju- uh, um, uh, uh, miscarriages of justice I've seen. He's like, she is not a spy. And, well, and that's wait, what they found. That's right? what they found. Yeah, they found that she's not a spy. They found that she just didn't register as a foreign agent. Um, but when you say agent, you're like, say foreign lobbyist. Right. right. That's an easier way to yes. talk about it. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess if you're an investor, you just don't like any uncertainty. Right, so if there's a new thing coming out and you're not sure how it's going to play out, maybe that's what's hurting the stock price. But that's a bizarre because there's, as of now, there's nothing that would indicate that he's doing anything erratic. Right, he actually was acting very responsibly. If what has been reported is true, yeah, I think he's really responsible, like uber responsible. He's done everything you were supposed to do. Yeah, it's the stuff that you know. Frankly, it's the stuff they yelled at Donald Trump for not doing. Right. Donald it's, Trump Jr. It is what every time you're like, well, okay, yeah, maybe they should go to prison. They didn't call the FBI. I mean, who wouldn't call the FBI? Yeah, he so did. he calls the <laughs> FBI, does exactly what all of us are screaming at our televisions that all these politicians should do. He actually does it. And the New York Times is like, he's crazy. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, young Americans warming up to communist China. Sometimes, sometimes. Now, I am one of these guys who always has, I I have real hope for the future because of the younger generations. I see them as real heroes. I see them as, you know, waking up and then. Yeah, and I observe them. And that's the other thing. Like, I actually observe them, honestly. And so I have the opposite opinion. (laughs) Right. And some days, like today, I'm feeling like the old get off my lawn guy. (laughs) What the hell is wrong with you? They're warming up to communist China. 
Uh, for What are you, a fan of their concentration camps? No, they have schooling for everybody. Those are big re-education compounds. Everybody gets a new education for free. Yeah, the barrel of a gun and... Uh, free health care after they shoot you. Yeah. Uh, it's a great... Yeah, they take care of all the burial expenses. It's everything very nice. For you and your whole family, mm-hmm. if you're lucky enough. Uh, let's Huge see. government benefit there. Did you hear about the artist that uh, painted Bill Clinton in a dress? Okay, you know this. Have you heard this story? This is Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. In, in, in his apartment in mm-hmm. New York... Um, which apartment is a weird word for what that was. It was one of the biggest residences in the entire city. Uh, but he had a painting of Bill Clinton in a blue dress, and some and, found that to heels. be a little strange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he he was wearing red heels and a blue dress, like a Monica Lewinsky blue dress, right. and he was kind of you know slung over a chair in the White House. And uh, when you know when that came out, somebody took a picture of that, and they were like, "Okay, that's weird. That's weird." Yeah, I mean, I don't have that. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know anybody. I mean, you know, but some people do have dogs playing poker. That probably should be disturbing as well. Come on, dogs dressed I, as poker players. Yes. No, I'm not saying that that's not weird, but yeah. certain things hit a cultural line in which they become less weird, I guess. Like, people have also have, you know, singing fish on their walls. Like, I wouldn't necessarily oh, do I that. Oh, I would have a singing fish on my wall. That's I want, weird, though. Okay, no, no, no. I was in... <laughs> When I was in Australia, mm-hmm. I mean, the days go on forever. And so we would go to, like, these flea market, you know, things. They have animals, uh, you know, heads of animals on walls, you know, at these flea market places. And they're animals you've never seen before. You're like, whoa, I think that's a cow to most people over here, but I've never seen one of those with horns like that. And so I was walking through, and I'm like, how can I get this on the commercial flight? Can I get that in the overhead? Would it be weird if I was, like, taking this animal? And I decided, yes. Yes, it would be. Um, but I just wanted – my son looked at me and said, why do you want that? And I said, because I want to make, an, like, a little automatic mouth that I can – you know the singing fish? I want to be able to have, like, a big animal head. Like, a, I have this, like, big, huge uh, buffalo head. And there's part of me that, I mean, I don't want to do it because it feels, I mean, it feels weird. There's like, hey, we killed this buffalo. Even, maybe even died of natural causes. I don't know. But, you know, hey, I had this buffalo head. Now I'm just going to make it into a big joke. So I kind of feel bad about it, but not that bad. If I was married to somebody who still enjoyed my sense of humor, it'd already be a talking buffalo. And I'd be able to turn music on and it would look like it was singing or, you know, I could have like a Mr. Microphone where I'd be like, hey, welcome to the living room. You know, something where I could freak people out. It'd be fun. I I will say you do own a giant real polar bear. You do realize that, right? A real polar bear that has been that died in like 1960 something. How much how much do you think it would cost? Okay, how much do you think it would cost? I'm serious. Do we have anybody in the audience that could make that polar bear so its hips swing? Okay. Uh huh. And, and the mouth uh-huh. can kind of like sing along. That would be fantastic. It would be a disgrace to do it to a bear that had been killed in 1971 and is like, you don't do that to bears, but we did back whoa, in whoa, the old whoa, days. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why would it be a disgrace? That's a. 
I, I, I don't. I'm sorry. Do I have I not just, enough I reference kinda, for a bullet no, bear that died? Didn't it, didn't it? Didn't it die? It didn't even yeah, get but, shot. Okay, did so it? let me put it this way. Let me put it this mm-hmm. way. Have you ever seen people who like I was again? Australia, it's weird, but they're a place with giant spiders. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I'm there and I'm looking at this. It's a place that had all the heads on the wall. And that's not what it wasn't like a sign that says we have exotic heads on the wall. It was just like a flea market thing. Okay. Well, if there's exotic heads on the wall. You don't need a sign that says we have exotic heads on the wall. Well, right no, there. It was, no, I know, but it wasn't. Okay. There was a lot of them to not say, you know, not, not have that as a calling card. You know, you're looking in the phone book and you're like, where can I buy exotic heads? You know. We got a lot of them. Maybe we should tell people. I'm just saying. But there was this creepy cat, a cat, like a house cat that had been stuffed like it was like walking and looking at like, right. And you're like, what? Who stuffed the cat? This is the beginning of Pet Cemetery. This is kind of very similar. Right. Okay. So, (laughs) so like, I wouldn't do that to my dog. If my dog died, Victor died, Uno died, Ella died, you know, I'm not going to stuff them and then, like, look, he can talk now, too, and sing songs in his hip swivel. That just seems wrong. This is a bear that was dead before you were born. Right. Uh, no, technically not. Not well, right around yeah. the time, <laughs> yeah, right? right. Um, I don't think it's the same thing. But, I mean, you already own it and, and have used it for a prop a hundred times. Yeah, I have dressed him as Santa. Right. Right, and put this a Coke is, in his This hand. is the thing to animate. If you could animate a real polar bear life-size. Yeah. yeah. I want to put, like, a Hawaiian skirt on him. So when his hips swivel, he's, like, doing the hula. Oh, this is this is this. There's got to be. Is there anyone in the audience (laughs) that can think about how to chop this bear up? Now, you'd have to you'd have to know you could do it. I'd be pissed if you like chopped it up. and You're like, yeah, it didn't work. I'd be pissed. You know, yeah, you got to have some expertise in this field. Yeah, I don't know how you would. I don't know what credentials you would have to have to go. No, I can do this. I've done it before. Well, not with a polar bear or any other animal like this, but. Things are going too well in this company lately. It's time to blow a couple million dollars it on, is. Uh, well, on a dancing know, bear. Well, it's crazy. A couple million. <laughs> thinking like 200 bucks. <laughs> I, I mean, how much does fish things cost? They're like forty nine ninety nine. Okay, so this is a bigger fish thing. It's the same concept. You could even same put a con- bunch of other fish inside if that's if that would right. If you. that works, just use the other parts. Look, if you'd like to take this on, it's like I made the bear. I made the hula bear because it will be famous. Who else has a hula dancing polar bear from 1971? Nobody. This will be famous. You will be famous. 888727 <laughs> Beck. Call <laughs> now. There's got to be like an enterprising taxidermist who's yes. like, oh, that's a challenge. It's called innovating in your field. Yeah. Step up. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Hey, it's Glenn, and you're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. If you like what you're hearing on this show, make sure you check out Pat Gray Unleashed. It's available wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Mr. Bill O'Reilly. Hello, I'm here. Yes, what can I do for you? First of all, you can explain why when I was filling in for two weeks, you didn't bother showing up on Fridays. Nobody asked me. What do you mean nobody asked you? No, no, nobody asked me to come on, and I thought you were like... uh, Putting the nose up into the air. I, I, all I was thinking about was doing an interview with you for an hour uh, all week, and then both weeks I was told you were not available. 
Well, I think one week I wasn't, but the other week I could have done it. Um, but the, the message never filtered down. Hmm. And let me add another uh, layer onto this. Glenn just said he's read the book. I know. He was on a big plane over to uh, mm-hmm. Australia, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't have a copy of the mm-hmm. book to read. Well, well you don't read. To, you That's know, true. Beg, beg, not beg, but he sent me a large check, and I uh, right. Okay, well, really, that's acceptable, right? Or, or I mean, something you, like that. Um, I mean, you did send a book to my mom signed, and for that, I will be ever grateful. So I guess I can't right. complain anymore. And she'll get she'll get this book too before you do. <laughs> Thank so, you. So, uh, so Bill, I <laughs> yeah. uh, I read the book. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, how are things? <laughs> I know you like I know you like the book because you would not have read it had it been boring or not engaged. I did not right. say I finished the book. Oh, you you just said you read the book, Beck. No, I did. Did I say wow. I finished it? Broadcastersitrust.com. <laughs> no, I actually, I did. You read the book. No, I did. I read the book and I finished it. And it is really, really good. In fact, I, I, I'm sorry you didn't see this. I tweeted, I think I Facebooked, um, uh, at LAX waiting for my Red Eye Sydney about halfway through Bill, o, uh, Bill O'Reilly's tome on Trump out in September. It will be his best-selling book yet. Tough wow. questions, even uncomfortable answers, but fair, and a very different look at the real Donald Trump. I thought it was excellent, Bill. I really, well, I, I really think nice it is your you. best, your best book. Um, and you, you did the best you can with a guy who's constantly watching TV over your shoulder. That's right. I mean, yeah. he was not engaged in this process at all. He's not. <laughs> He's not a I'm going to my high school reunion type of guy. Right. He's right, not. Right. But um, I thought the stories you told about him, the perspective that you gave, I, I really think it, you know, if anyone is, I, I wrote another uh, Facebook post or something and said, if anyone in the, in the media is actually, if they really want to understand Donald Trump and take a different look and go, well, wait, now, wait a minute, maybe it's this. Um, they should read the book. N- none of them in the media will, but it it honestly, it honestly, uh, without sugarcoating him, without you know avoiding the tough things, you looked at him and you brought a perspective to him that I never thought. I you know I, I just I thought well, you know I really that's high praise from you, um, and I hope your prediction uh, comes true. And that's not a prediction; but, but, but it's a guarantee. Here, here's what it, what it comes down to. Whether you like Donald Trump or not, he's a president of the United States. If you love your country and you're engaged in the process of evaluating the president fairly, then you need to know the entire story. You're not getting it in the media. Everyone knows that, okay? You're either getting, we love him, we love him, we love him, or we hate him, we hate him, we hate him. And that, as we have discussed, is based on money. Um, there is ideology involved as well, but it's a primary money play. So I said to myself, you know, I had a killing book. It's already done. But we said, all right, we'll, we'll postpone that. I'll write this uh, Trump book because it's a history book and we need this in America at this time in history. So were you were you um, I mean, I don't know how you well, you love confrontation. I mean, I, I think you kind of like well, I, I want hate, honest confrontation, though. We, see, we veered away from that. But that's a philosophical. Discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I just hate confrontation. At, you know, I, I grew up in an alcoholic family and it's like 
you know, mommy and daddy are fighting. I don't like this. Um, uh, But you don't mind it. But you you confronted him with things when you're when you're leading up to, you know, what you're about to ask him. You're you're thinking, oh, he's not going to like this. Um, He didn't like it. You didn't leave it alone. And then you wrote some things about it and said, look, here's what some people say. Here's what other people say. I think it's probably this or that, but we don't really know for sure. And you're thinking, okay, how does he like Bill O'Reilly? Well, I'll tell you an interesting story in a moment, but um, two things about it. No, no anonymous sources. All right. That I, I'm stopping that stuff right now. Cold. Everybody's on the record. So when you have somebody uh, commenting on the president or you, he's saying it himself, the words are true and the words were um, confirmed by me. So, for example, Don Jr., his son, I thought was very good in giving an insight into Donald Trump, the parent. But I had to check a lot of the stuff that Don Trump Jr. told me, and it all checked out. I thought he was very, very strong in the book. But the confrontational aspect of the book is this. I did ask Donald Trump about his father and some of the things that his father did, about some of the things that he did, Donald Trump himself. But I didn't do it in a confrontational way. And that's why the pages about Megyn Kelly and her debate, and I thought that was one of the strongest parts of the book because we got the true story that's never been told about that ambush on Trump and the uh, Ooh, woman. That must have been towards Kelly. the end because I didn't. <laughs> you were underlining that, like, give me a pen, give me a pen. All, All right. right. So, uh, uh, Bill, let's uh, change subjects. The book comes wait, wait, out, wait, by wait, the way, wait, wait. in, in one a more, few. One more thing. Yeah. While you were gone, mm. I was in Trump's presence at a fundraiser in the Hamptons. Okay. Oh, yes. Yes. Right, so this, right. this, is, this is interesting. Mm. So I went as a reporter, and I was the only national reporter there. The campaign banned everybody else. Nobody else could go to this fundraiser, which raised five million bucks for his campaign. I sat right in front of him when he gave his 40 minute speech. Okay, I didn't do the meeting greet or any of that. I didn't see him before. I didn't see him after. He's with the fat cats. They're giving him money. I don't give money to any political candidate. Okay, so he sees me. He knew I was there anyway. And he's and about 10 minutes of the speech is directed to me. Some of it was very funny. He's mocking me. Um, but I think that he respects me um, because he knows that it's not a sugar-coated deal. And he actually told the audience that, that after some of the interviews that I did with him on television, he would go out furious. And then his wife would say, what are you talking about? You should be answering these questions. This makes you look stronger. So he told that story to his benefactors. Um, and it was a pretty interesting day. That was last Saturday. Yeah, interesting for you. I don't know about the rest of us, but um, uh, thank you oh, for sharing. Oh, come on, sharing. Baby, jealous. <laughs> all, the only guy you're talking to is Stu. I know. <laughs> I know. I have no friends, guys. Bill. You're talking to me. You're talking to Stu. No, I know. You're going to be jealous. I have come no on. friends. I mean, I'm down to you, and we're not really friends. <laughs> no, uh, no. So it's but crazy. You, you know, you should go on a website, friends I trust. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so, uh, so Bill, let's, uh, let's, yeah. start with, let's start with Philadelphia, because that's kind of a story that kind of – uh, you know, went by the wayside. And I think it is a crazy story, crazy story about the suspect uh, that now is in custody. Six officers were shot. 
Uh, it was a standoff in Philadelphia. The people from Philadelphia, some of the people in Philadelphia, were at some point, you know, mocking the police as they're in this shootout. I mean, it's crazy. Okay, there's four or five things to this, to this story. All right, number one, Barack Obama made a very big show out of telling the American people that most drug crimes are nonviolent. I went through the roof when he did that. The narcotics industry in America is the most violent industry we have, which is why the mafia chieftains in the 50s and 60s wouldn't even deal with it. Even though they could have made gazillions of dollars, it was so nasty, they wouldn't even do it. Okay, so this guy is a drug dealer. He's got all kinds of guns in his apartment, all right? And the uh, the warrant... Uh, Philadelphia police execute a warrant. He starts shooting at them. Okay, look at his record. You know how many times he's convicted of violent felonies, including gun crimes? He's serving two years here, two and a half years there. This is a dangerous man. He should have been away for 30 or 40, but no, you can't do that. Because then, if you put somebody in jail for that long, you're persecuting people of color. So you're right. against, hang on just a second, so you're against the prison reform that the president just did. I'm not against the prison reform if it's very specific, but I have said for years that if you commit a crime with a firearm in this country, you go to federal prison for 10 years mandatory first conviction. That solves the gun violence problem. How many, how many decades do I have to say this? How many times do I have to say it? If you're a criminal using a gun in a crime, it becomes a federal crime, mm-hmm. and you have a mandatory 10. That stops gun violence. I get so angry because the rest of this gun stuff is BS. It's political posturing. You want to solve it? You put the criminals with guns in prison for 10 years. That's what you do. You know, it's funny that uh, you say that because if you have if you have a firearm, you are caught with a firearm in New Jersey uh, and you don't have the bullets, you know, locked in your trunk and, you know, and the and the trigger underneath your seat in the car and locked in the glove box is the slide. I mean, they throw you to jail throw you in jail. I think it's in New York and New Jersey for 10 years for carrying a firearm uh, without a concealed carry. Well, you could just That's the absurdity of this. Right. I know. Leave, leave the law-abiding people who want to protect themselves alone, all right, and concentrate on the guy in Philadelphia who's selling heroin and carries around an AR-15 to protect his operation. It, it Look, Beck, you know and I know we live in a corrupt world, and this is as corrupt as it gets. Okay. And as a result, six police officers got hurt. The United States of Trump, the new Bill O'Reilly uh, book, it's released September 24th. You can find it on Amazon uh, or anywhere else that they're schlepping these things. Um, <laughs> Mr. Bill O'Reilly joins us now. Bill Eps- Epstein. Yeah. Um, his neck was broken in several places after he hung himself with paper sheets well look two things i talked to a new york city coroner about this and uh this is obviously the biggest uh, topic of discussion uh among the coroners in the city and the consensus is and and that the autopsy is honest and this is absolutely could have happened physiologically to this guy um 
Secondly, I walk into my local deli um, a couple of days ago. I'm besieged by mostly women telling me he was murdered and I have to find out who did it. And I'm, I'm looking around going, can I get can I get my muffin? Um, <laughs> I mean, it's a populist story, and it's one of those stories like the Kennedy assassination where they're just going to run wild with this stuff. But I'll tell you from what I know, and I, my sources are pretty good, nobody could have gotten into that cell to kill him because there are cameras all over the place, all right? And it, it would have been impossible for that to happen. Number two, he did strangle himself, all right? They say he hung himself, but it basically strangled himself with whatever he had as far as a covering was concerned. The coroner's report reflects that, and it absolutely could have physiologically happened. The real story is, were the guards bribed? Because they had to know that this guy um, was up to no good. So that has to be investigated by the Attorney General Bar because it's a federal facility. Um, other than that, I mean, I think people have to step away from the hysteria. I know it's fun and entertaining, um, but I don't think it leads us anywhere. So speaking of hysteria, uh, this this um, this inversion, the yield inversion that happened yes. this week, which the media was only giving half the story. Yes, every recession we've had in the last 50 years has been pointed out by a yield inversion, but there have been several yield inversions that did not lead to a recession. Look, uh, the media wants a recession. Um, the New York Times, the Washington Post, they want it yeah. because they know that the Democratic field, and I think we know enough now. Um, there's another debate coming up in three weeks, um, but we know enough that it's very weak. Would anybody disagree with that listening to me across America? No. The Democratic field is very weak. You've got actually dangerous people running for president there who would put this. You think a, re, uh, a recession might come if Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren get elected president. We might have a depression, not a recession, a depression, because corporate America would be corporate Belgium. They're going to get the hell out of here with these socialist people if they ever got power. I mean, it would be a flight of capital out of this country. Foreign investment would dry up. You're looking at a catastrophe. And this is fact-based, all right? So, I mean, don't tell me about an aversion that might lead to a, a recession. The Democratic Party, if their wish list were fulfilled, I mean, I'm, I'd be in the Bahamas. I'd be calling, you'd call me in the Bahamas because I'm not staying here with a wealth tax. You pass a federal wealth tax, you come into my house and take my stuff. Um, where's Bill? Um, I think he's in Greenland because Trump's going to buy Greenland, I think, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, so. Can I tell you something? Yeah. First of all, I need to know, you know, when was the last time the kitchen was updated and how many bathrooms does Greenland have? <laughs> uh, uh, because, you know, you, that's where you really drop all your monies on kitchens and bathrooms. Uh, why? What is this Greenland story? Um, it's just another story that gets floated out, and I can't tell you who floats it, um, to get Trump's name in the, uh, in the paper. I think it came from the Trump people. You have to understand that Trump's on vacation this week, okay? But he hates vacation. He never takes a vacation. He doesn't play miniature golf. He plays real golf. But it's hot and humid, and nobody wants to go to Jersey to play with him. So right. he's got nothing to do. 
So he goes, yeah, let me buy Greenland. You know, throw you know that I, was, I was shocked <laughs> that there. we have tried to buy it twice. I think it was, was it Eisenhower or Truman was the it's last true. one. Yeah. Den- Denmark supervises Greenland, okay? So I don't know what's going on in Denmark, but I think if Trump made him a good offer, Denmark would say, I think yeah, they would. You know, no, hey. I don't know if there's anything that we need from Greenland. You know, it's a big strategic, uh, though. No, I know. It's very yeah. strategic. Right. It goes a thousand miles, I think, into kind of Russian area. Mm-hmm. So it's very strategic. Uh, but, you know, is there anything else we can exploit by digging it all up? I mean, I don't know. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Hey, it's Glenn. And if you like what you hear on the program, you should check out Pat Gray Unleashed. His podcast is available wherever you download your favorite podcast. Rabbi Daniel Lappin. How are you, Rabbi? Couldn't be better, thank uh, you, Glenn. Good to have you. I and can't wait to go on vacation. With I was just going to say, I, 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 I count. I'm, I'm marking the days on the calendar. I know it's going to be great. We so far have three thousand people on this ship yeah. that are going to come with yeah. us, uh, and I hope you don't mind. I've added some extra shows on the on the trip. I don't mind at all. I think that that's yeah. I mean, that's it's going to be fun. Game for yeah, Absolutely. it's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, and so I mean, to actually vacation with a few thousand of our closest friends yeah, is that's, wonderful. That's right. That's right. And get to see some really cool things. Yeah. Um, uh, let me just start with the news of the day with uh, Rashida Tlaib and uh, Elon Omar. They there. The story yesterday came out as Donald Trump just called his best friend, Benjamin Netanyahu, and said, don't let these crazy people in. And Israel did it. That's not the story, is it? I mean, Israel has a problem with people who are running BDS, and they passed a law. And let's remember, the left has a problem in general with the idea of national borders of any kind whatsoever. And so Mm. the notion that Israel should exert any form of sovereignty is profoundly disturbing. It's like a deep stomachache for them. Right. So so then Benjamin Netanyahu said, because Tlaib said, I've got a grandmother, and this might be the last time I see her. I just a humanitarian. He said, well, you can apply for a humanitarian. We'll grant that. You can come on in. Today, Tlaib said, uh, no, I, I, I can't go under these conditions. I refuse to see my grandmother under these conditions. What conditions? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the main condition is grandma probably said, keep her out. I can't stand her. <laughs> you know, that's probably what happened. But, uh, but So the idea that a country is going to let people in who are actively trying to destroy that country. Yes. I don't think they actually even cared on going. Uh, and one of the things they announced in advance they were going to do is visit the Temple Mount. What do you think that would have done uh, some Friday with Talib and Omar on the Temple Mount? That would not have been good. No, it would, uh, would unquestionably have precipitated drama, which is exactly what they want. Right. Right. Look, I mean, I, there's a bottom line to it all, which is that um, uh, these are two women, and they're by no means unique in this, of course. Right. Uh, the, 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 there are huge numbers of people uh, they speak for and they're with, but um, these are people essentially um, who are haters of a Western civilization and doing everything in their power to undermine it. It so happens 
that the uh, most effective defenders of Western civilization in a hostile world right now are the United States of America and the State of Israel. And so for these reasons, uh, these two countries arouse the intense hostility uh, of all those. The unifying theme on the left, I think, is hatred of Western civilization and everything that it was built upon. So uh, what is, what exactly is it that you do? I just saw a a poll today that said while the approval rating of China is collapsing, uh, not necessarily with millennials, at least not collapsing as fast. Millennials are saying, oh, I kind of like the idea of what China is doing. How, how is that even possible? Uh, you know, part of it, of course, uh, millennials, um, I think, is a, uh, a catch-all phrase that probably includes a lot of people who don't agree on everything in exactly the same way as there's no such thing as America's black community, right? Mm -hmm. And there certainly isn't such a thing as America's Jewish community. As a matter of fact, if you gathered all the self-identified Jews of America into a huge, you know, four million seat auditorium and said, we're here to find the one thing we can all agree on, um, they would only all agree that Hitler was a very bad man. There's nothing else all American <laughs> Jews would agree on. So uh, the notion that all millennials agree on something is, is childish, and it's, it's just a notion pushed by, um, by some of the, the pundits with nothing to say. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a part of them, I would say, that, that, that appreciate the, the rapidity of the rise of China. Um, many people dislike the, um, the, the freedom with which they have purloined the intellectual products of the West uh, through, um, uh, through literal theft and, and through other means as well. There are many people who admire that. They don't like it. They don't think it's a good thing, but they say, you know what? Those guys were really determined. Um, when, you, when you look at China, it is very hard not to see uh, a nation on the ascent. Mm -hmm. They're moving up. Mm -hmm. And what we uh, want to try and do everything we can to uh, to avoid is America becoming a nation on its way down. It's had its day in history. Mm -hmm. uh, it's now getting ready to leave the stage and make room for China. I hope that's not the case, and all the, the work you've been diligently devoting yourself to these many past years has been devoted to avoiding that eventuality. But I think for many people, they kind of welcome it and look forward because their contempt for America as a representative of civilization is so deep that uh, even to be displaced by China is desirable. So, but I think that uh, also there is a, another, there's another set of people that don't want to see America leave the stage, don't hate America, et cetera, et cetera, but uh, are tired of the leadership role because they think that that, because we've all been convinced, not all of us, but we've been convinced that, you know, to lead means you have to be the policeman of the world. For instance, Hong Kong. Uh, I don't know what to do about Hong Kong, except if I were president, I would be stating as firmly as I could, knowing who owns our national debt, that we stand with people who, you know, search for freedom and, and understand the universal truths that all men are created equal. I don't want to send troops over there. I don't want to do that. When Taiwan falls, if Hong Kong, if these guys are all rounded up and killed, 
Taiwan is next. It's just done. You know, and the we, only thing is, though, if they really wanted Taiwan, the time to have taken it was during the Obama administration, when there would have been a, a yawn and an explanation to the public as to why this makes sense in the in the new world order. Uh, so I'm not sure they actually wanted. And, and for the sake of, of a discussion, Glenn, I would say that um, from a, a strategic point of view, it's not really a good idea to ever point a gun at anybody, particularly if it's not loaded. Yes. Um, and so I don't think that making a statement about Hong Kong is, is necessarily a good idea, particularly since we're not willing to send in troops. Right. So, well, that was kind of, kind of my point. I mean, yeah. you can say that you're standing with people who uh, have freedom, but that doesn't mean anything other than... We salute you for standing, for recognizing these universal truths, but you're kind of on your you're, own. Yeah, yippee. What good does that do so us? So yeah. here's my dilemma. Isn't that kind of what America said? I'm, I'm reading a book right now called The Volunteer. Have you read that? No, I haven't. Really good. It's about a guy who's been erased from history by the Soviet Union who volunteered to go into Auschwitz to find out what was really going on and create uh, an underground movement in the camp and get the information out. It's incredible. I always guy. read your recommendations, oh, this your book is, recommendations, and I'll, do, I'll read that it's one It's an incredible book. Um, but he was just a, a normal guy. Now, he's in the camp. He's, I'm at the place now in the book. He's been there for about two and a half years, and it's, you know, it's, hor- it's Auschwitz. And he's like, where is everybody? Did the information get out? Yeah, the information got out, but what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? So we all know that was a mistake. But aren't we making those same mistakes with the prisons in North Korea or the prisons in in China, these giant re-education camps? We know that that's what's going to happen to these people if they survive in Hong Kong. Do we have any responsibility? I don't believe we do. I believe the... Now, as an individual, Glenn Beck might decide to support a ministry that uh, that tries to get people in there to help them. Right. But as a government of the United States with coercive taxing authority uh, to become the effective policeman or for or even worse, the spinster aunt of the world wagging a bony finger... Uh, with absolutely no strength behind it, uh, I think it's enough already. That's not that's not what the government of the United States has responded. Nobody appointed them to promote values around the world. We promoted them to follow the Constitution, which says nothing whatsoever about being the policeman of the world. It's on the contrary. Uh, for for many years, the uh, early Americans knew the important thing was to absolutely stay out of the old world and its problems. Um, and so I can't see any. But don't forget, so some of the right to ignore what was happening in Poland and Germany with the Jews. Should we have just done something as individuals? But we were and right to stay. Many out. many people were doing things as individuals. But this idea that somehow the Allies were evil for failing to bomb Auschwitz. Hello, they were bombing Hamburg. 
They right. were bombing the Ruhr Valley. Right. They were destroying the dams. Right. Meanwhile, I'm not saying that. No, no. It, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. But we, I'm talking about before we even engaged in the war. Yes. The, you know, a lot of this stuff could have happened. You know, may have happened differently. But then again, World War Two is really caused by World War One and our sticking Absolutely. our big nose, yes. big nose into everything and not letting the Germans win World War One. Right. Frankly, yes. right. Uh, so, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know. It's just a weird place because I think the country, I think there's a lot of conservatives that are transitioning that are, have always been, for, you know, like these people who are like, I, you know, let's go save the little guy. Let's go help. Let's stop this. But you look at the world and you're like, no, no, we only make it worse usually. Um, sometimes we make it better. Sometimes we don't. What we did in the Middle East. Uh, what a waste of know. money and blood. And blood. What yeah. a waste, it, you know. It, it I, seems like there's like a certain hurdle to clear, right? It, you know, there's a certain level of risk and a certain level of damage being done. Like Hong Kong, they're protesting in airports. It's important. I think moral support is important. Um, and we can do that as individuals. Um, you know, Germany and the Holocaust is a different situation, right? There's a much higher threat level to us at that moment and also a much higher damage level even a rwanda where there's a huge massive damage that's not necessarily what's happening in hong kong um so there is i think that our level has to be our 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 response without deep thought needs to be no right like we need to we need to defer and default to no we're not getting involved and only when it raises to some insane president's popularity is that he says he ran on that this is all about america so you want to use tax money and uh and the goodwill of the american people it's not to fix up the whole world it's Mm -hmm. amazing to me how people still on the left will say oh well uh, donald trump's a warmonger (laughs) we haven't had I mean, yeah, we haven't one. had one that is this peace going, I think, since maybe Carter. Now, Carter was worthless. This guy is just like, no, it doesn't rise to this level. You yes. know, I mean, he is. He wants to stay out. I mean, that's he his... wants to stay out. And I think in a good way, yeah, yeah. in a real good way. Um, you know, and going back, I mean, as you, you mentioned, the Middle East, uh, the only rationale for dealing with Iraq was the conviction that there were weapons of mass destruction, which at the time was not an unreasonable assessment. Mm-hmm. But other than that, uh, this this foolishness that permeated so much of the Republican establishment at the time, uh, that nation building, and we've got to bring democracy to you the can't Middle East. give it to people. You know, just how stupid can people really be? <laughs> yeah. Arrogant. Not only they were stupid, I yeah. think, no, I no think they were arrogant. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand.